And at that point, it's like where the, the crest of the roller coaster is like, wee, it's up here, everything's great. And then the next thing you know, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> Welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly Universal Needs Notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. We are so excited for today's episode, uh, me especially, because this topic right here is one that I have struggled with in the past Mm -hmm. with my Universal Needs practice and journey, and one that made all the difference once I finally got it. Right. I, I'm kind of excited because I know that today we're talking about like probably one of the biggest challenges you had and the best solution that you found through doing the program. So yeah, this is going to be fun. It comes full circle it on does. this one for me. It so it, it, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And today what we're talking about is consistency and practice. Mm-hmm. So to begin, we'll start with consistency and why do we actually need consistency? Well, I think most people understand consistency is doing something on a regular basis. And when it comes to our needs and the meeting of our needs, we need to be consistently meeting our needs for a couple of reasons. One, just living life is going to have an impact on our needs. Like it takes energy to do things. Adulting's hard, right? (laughs) Seriously, like facts. Um, it's, it's one of these things that it takes energy to do the things that we, uh, that we're doing. And also as we're navigating different situations, we can need more and less things. Our needs are changing all the time, depending on where we're at, our situations, the, the context, the people that we're around, there's all of these different things. And what ends up happening is that if we don't consistently and intentionally take the choice to be consistently meeting our own needs, it means that that internal like emotional well-being that our level of resourcefulness our level of fulfillment is completely dependent on everything around us like the world around us the situations that we're in the people were around us and that's kind of a bit of a an uncomfortable place to be um, and it ends up with um, what I describe with a lot of people is um, is roller coaster self-care and it's like, well, why is she talking about self-care all of a sudden? I thought we were talking about needs. Well, the interesting thing is, is that contrary to the self-care industry, which has kind of capitalized and commodified self-care as a concept, self-care is nothing more but simply meeting your own needs. Now, how you might do that might vary um, between people. It might vary on different days and in different situations. But self-care is simply the act of taking care of our own needs. Now, why do we talk about roller coaster self-care? Well, if we're not consistently meeting our own needs so that our needs don't just get met, but they stay met, what ends up happening is that the roller coaster self-care comes because depending on what we've got going on around us, our needs inadvertently at times happen to be met because of where we're at or the people we're around. And at that point, it's like where the, the crest of the roller coaster is like, wee, 
it's up here. Everything's great. And then the next thing you know, oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) That. Um, (laughs) The next thing you know, the circumstances change, and all of a sudden you've plummeted, and you're not in control of that. And so what ends up happening? You're not even influencing. You're making choices to to determine how you feel in the context of those situations. So let's give a couple of examples. So if you think about uh, an example when somebody is on vacation, if someone's on vacation, chances are you're going to be less stressed than you would be normally. And again, different for different people, different circumstances. I know I I have a a very good friend of mine uh, who's unfortunately no longer with us who like vacations used to stress him out. So vacations weren't necessarily the most relaxing thing for him. But for most people, you tend to be less stressed when you're on vacation. You tend to be around people you would want to spend time around because you're choosing to spend time. And you tend to be doing more of the activities that you enjoy and that fulfill you. You tend to have more downtime. You tend to relax more more you probably tend to sleep more depending on which kind of vacation you're doing um so what ends up happening is that all of those things put us at the top of the roller coaster where it's like through nothing that we are doing differently other than the situation that we are in all of a sudden most of our needs are being met and we feel really good and it's like oh this is yeah this is good this is why we enjoy vacation so much however then if you think about another situation when you are maybe under deadline at work, for example, where all of a sudden high stress, high anxiety, maybe you're sleeping less because you're working more. So maybe you're in earlier, you're going to bed later, you're getting less downtime, you're spending less time around the people you want to spend time around with, depending on like how you feel about your work colleagues. Some people love their work colleagues. Um, Some people less so. Um, And so in those situations, again, through doing nothing, the circumstances means that more of your needs are being compromised. And that's the thing is that if we don't actually consistently meet our own needs, that internal state of well-being, of resourcefulness, of fulfillment is just going up and down according to what else is going on in our life. Now, what we want to do instead of that having this roller coaster self-care is if we know how to meet our needs and we do it consistently, we get to go to the top of that roller coaster and stay near the top. This doesn't mean to say everything's perfect and sunshine and rainbows all the time and nothing will ever impact you. What it means is rather than doing these kind of big up and down dips, that there's these kind of slight fluctuations and variations. Of course, there are going to be times when things are a little bit more enjoyable, in which case your needs are a little bit better met. And so you're going to be a little, little bit higher. But the thing is that when you're when you're kind of in that dip where there's circumstances around you, but if you know how to meet your needs, so your internal state still stays where you've got that internal well-being, you've got that internal state of resourcefulness, and you've got that internal state of fulfillment, that doesn't negatively impact you as much. And so that's why it's so important for us to be consistent when it comes to meeting our needs, because otherwise we end up with this kind of massive up and down fluctuation. And what we want to do is we want to get to the point where our needs not only get met, but they stay met. Now, I know that consistency is something that um, has has been a bit of a challenge for you when we got to the actual needs work. But actually, what was interesting is you were like looking back, you were able to see how some of the things that were just happening in your life, you were in that roller coaster self-care without even realizing it, right? Yeah. And it was a lot of um, aspects from the emotional. It wasn't my my base needs in like the survival aspect the physical the physical needs it was what i was doing to myself emotionally with the up and down because i wasn't consistently meeting my needs and the best example i have is in my 
friendship with my best friend when you become a you become a sister at a certain point mm-hmm. and this is your other best friend, my right? other best friend yes <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is a sisterhood right and you want to meet that person so like there are days that I would be up here and I'd come in and she'd be here and I'm like well I can't be here while she's here so I'd I'd send myself down that roller coaster and I'd meet her there and I'd sit in that spot with her and then vice versa. There were days where she was up and it's like, well, how can I how can I be happy here if if she's down here? Right. All right, let me meet her. And well, an interesting thing was that wasn't a conscious decision. It wasn't no. like, oh, I want to meet her. It was just like you were like looking back, you were like, oh goodness, like if one of us was down, both of us were down. Mm-hmm. If one of us was up, then both of us were up. Like you just where your your experience was determined by the state that she was in. Mm-hmm. And, and vice, vice versa. versa. Right? Yes. Absolutely. It was, you know, the high highs. And then if we were both low, mm-hmm. it low lows. And not necessarily in our friendship, but just the state. Because you want to sympathize. Mm-hmm. You want to empathize. You want to you want to do all those things that you do for a friend, a sister, right. for another human. Right. And it, it does. It takes a certain up and down. Right. Where now I can look back and I'm like, in in that same relationship with that same best friend and that same sisterhood, we do. We have a, we have a nice little. It we went from the big scary roller coaster to the kitty ride. Right. And have you ever seen a kid on a kitty ride? They get the utmost enjoyment from right. going on those little hills, Woo-hoo. and that's what it feels like right. now. Well, it's interesting that you kind of identified this kind of desire to connect because the interesting thing is was that matching her state and vice versa was actually an attempt to meet some of your needs without realizing it because obviously we want to feel connected with the people around us. And so by being in this kind of state of disparity where it's like one's in one place and one's in the other, you no longer feel connected. Mm-hmm. So that need is not being met. So that that kind of following that roller coaster with her was actually a way that you were both getting some of your needs met without realizing it. And now those needs are being taken care of for you just by doing your practice and doing the things that you do in terms of meeting your needs, which means that you don't need that to feel connected with her anymore. And you can have that like little kitty ride experience, like the the up and down kind of thing, right? She can be in an amazing place and I can be in a low place and be like, hey, I'm in a place. And she's like, okay, Mm -hmm. can I do anything? No, I'm just going to be in a place. Right. Cool. She enjoys her up. I acknowledge and I empathize with my low. And then when it serves us both, we come in and we ride that ride together. And it's beautiful. Absolutely. And I I have an experience that I used to have all the time when I worked in um, corporate, um, in the corporate world. And that was any time I went on vacation, this was a thing. Now, I, I obviously used vacations as an example before, but the thing that was big for me was that the amount of stress and pressure and work I had to do ahead of my vacation in order to get to the point where I was able to go on vacation, I would like, my needs would be like massively drained and a huge deficit before I even went. So if I went for like a two week vacation, what would tend to happen is I'd be going like all out and I would be stressed and I would be overwhelmed and I would be drained and I would go on that vacation. And the first week of the vacation wasn't relaxing and enjoying myself. It was recovering from what I'd had to do to get on the vacation. So I would have a recovery week. I would kind of get myself to go, okay, 
we're good now. Okay. All right. Now I can start enjoying myself and I'd enjoy myself for a week. And then I come back into another version of what happened before I left where things were so much more stressful, so much more work to do, so much more pressured than they would have been on a normal work day or a work week. And so what ended up was I was like, like I was sinking to a real low, low before the vacation. I was using the first week of that vacation to sort of chuck my way back up to the top again and be like yeah I'm at the top again and as soon as I go back to work I hit the really low low again and it got to the point where it's like is it almost any point in taking a vacation now because like the stress around it it was like well am I actually really getting any benefit from this? Because the amount I was dealing with to have the vacation was then ruling out the relaxation and rest I was getting from the vacation. So it was kind of, um, it was kind of a bit, a bit of a strange one. Now, the other thing that I wanted to share about when it comes to consistency and when it comes to consistency of the practice, and we'll start talking about the practice in just a moment. Um, but when Serena actually started doing her universal needs practice on the regular basis, the difference in her was astounding. Like, I don't even have words to put to the night and day experience I had watching her go through this. And here's the cool thing. I'm the one who developed the universal needs practice. I do the universal needs practice on a consistent basis. Watching her go through that process and seeing how much of an effect it was having on her actually inspired me even more with my own practice. It kind of reignited this, this like desire and excitement about what the practice is about. And so this is the thing is that the consistency doesn't just affect us. It actually affects our effect on the people around us. So while if we're being consistent with meeting our needs, we can show up better for our intimate relationships, for our family, for our friends, in our work, all these different things. So not only is this about avoiding that roller coaster self-care for the self, it's actually about we tend to be giving, like naturally, our, one of our natural states as human beings is when our needs are well met, we're very generous. We want to share that. We want to give. That's that's how we operate. And wanting to share the best of ourselves, the best way of actually being able to do that is to meet our needs consistently. When we do that, we can bring the best of us consistently to the different areas of our life. And and it was like, it was such an interesting thing for me going, how am I inspired by you doing the practice that I developed? But it was true. Like I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to reconnect with just how profound this was for me by seeing how profound it was for you. So it was really interesting that that consistency doesn't just impact and affect and benefit us it actually benefits everyone around us as well yeah and to add on to that it wasn't just claire she 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 definitely stated how it was impacting her in a mm -hmm. positive way but my the people i worked with my mm -hmm. boss was like what are you doing it's like 15 minutes every morning right and it's out like, at the maximum at the maximum <laughs> and it's out even i say it now i do it now and i'm still like no it really Really, really, really. Yeah, it's really that simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, and if we're going to talk about consistency, how do we create the consistency? Right. And this is where we get on to the P word. So how do we create consistency? Well, there's two main ways of doing this. It's by creating a habit or creating a practice. And normally when we create a practice, we want to make that practice into a habit because once something becomes a habit, it takes less effort, it takes less brain power to figure out 
to do it, to make it, because it just becomes part of our day-to-day lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And there's a brilliant quote that I want to share now, and I'm going to read it off the board just to make sure I'm, I'm doing, it, doing it just and getting accurate. Practice makes permanent, not perfect. If you practice the wrong thing, you make the wrong act permanent. That was by Hamza Yusuf. So I'm going to say that again. Practice makes permanent, not perfect. If you practice the wrong thing, you make the wrong act permanent. So the interesting thing with this is if you flip that around, if you want to create permanence, you want to create a practice that's going to create the thing you want permanent. So if you want to have that permanent state of of internal well-being, of being resourced, of being fulfilled, and we know the thing that creates those states is having your needs consistently met, we want to create a practice of consistently meeting our needs so we get the benefit of having those state being those states being a permanent thing that we experience in our day-to-day life. We need to be able to make the practice a habit, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. And for us to do that, there are four things. Right, absolutely. So if you haven't already seen it, I highly recommend watching BJ Fogg's TED Talk, which I think is called uh, Forget Big Change, Start With a Tiny Habit. And in it, he says, shares some really interesting and helpful information on habit building. But he says primarily there are four things. He says three and then he gives an extra bonus one. But I'm going to just, I'm going to just shortcut it and say there are four <laughs> things that you need to make something into a habit. The first thing you need, you need to be able to do it. It needs to be relatively easy for you to do it. It needs to be possible for you to do it in order that the, 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 the difficulty isn't a barrier to you doing the thing that it is you wanna to do to make a habit. First thing, you need to be able to do it. The second thing is, you need to have a desire to do it. You gotta to want to do the thing that you're wanting to make into a habit. Now, it may not be that you actually want to do the thing itself, but it may be that you want to do that because you want the benefit that you're gonna get at the other end of it. So I would say, this is a, an example, I'm gonna throw out there as a possibility that may relate to Serena in some way, shape or form. There was a point in time where she didn't necessarily enjoy going to the gym, but she wanted to enjoy the benefits of how it felt when she had all the endorphins and everything and, and like she felt like she was moving her body. And I'm only, I'm only giving this example because I know this is one she shared with me on a regular basis. True? Yes, and I'll probably refer to it again, <laughs> again and, and again, again and again. So it's like you may not necessarily want the actual act, but you want the thing that the act is going to create for you. So like, for example, I'm learning Spanish at the moment uh, and I don't necessarily want to do the hard work of actually learning the the lessons and doing the lessons and the language, but I want to learn Spanish. So therefore I do have the desire to do the lessons because I want the outcome. So first able, second, we've got to have a desire to do to do it. The third thing is we need a trigger to do it. And the trigger is something that's going to initiate that uh, us, us doing the thing that we want to create into a habit. So the trigger has to be something that we do with the same level of consistency that we want the habit to be in. So we want to be doing the regular, the trigger needs to be in the same regularity that we want the habit to be in as well. So depending on what habit we want to create. So for example, if you wanted to create a habit around flossing your teeth and you wanted to create the habit twice a day and you brush your teeth twice a day, you would use brushing your teeth as the trigger for flossing your teeth. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. So ability, desire, trigger. And then the final thing is you need to acknowledge yourself when you've done the thing that you want to become a habit in a way that feels good because what that does is it sends a signal in the brain that has us wanting to do more of the thing that we've just got that acknowledgement for. 
So those are our four things. And this is why we developed the universal needs practice. Actually, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth here. That's a lie. That's not the reason <laughs> that we actually created the practice because I created the practice before I saw this TED talk. It was just something I knew there had to be a practice. I knew that it had to be simple. I knew it had to be, it was from my own experience of, of, of understanding um, the, uh, that there are things that I've come across, books I've read, seminars I've been to, audios I've listened to, where I'm like, yeah, this is it. And like three hours later, I've forgotten it's even a thing. Uh, like I need something to, to keep it present in my world. So I created the practice so that I would continue to connect with the needs because I felt that that was important. And I remember I was actually, I was actually walking the dog at a house that I was doing on the Isle of Wight in the UK when I was listening to BJ Fogg's TED talk. And as I was going through, I was like, oh my God, this is why the universal needs practice works because it has all of these things because there are things in it. I'm like, oh, that's why. And it was such an interesting moment. So yeah, this wasn't the reason I did it. This is the reason it works. This is the reason that what we developed actually works. And the, the good thing with the universal needs practice, as Serena said, it's like five to 15 minutes um, each day. It's very quick, easy, and simple, but the most important thing is it's very easy to integrate into your day-to-day -day life in a way that doesn't feel kind of cumbersome or difficult. Um, it always reminds me of, um, there's a the lady called um, uh, Sherry Calbom, who's known as the juice lady. And she always gets asked like, what's the best juicer to have? Is it best to have a, a centrifugal juicer or a masticating juicer or a slow press juicer? And her response is brilliant. She always responds that the best juicer for you is the one you will use. And that's why it's so important for this practice to be something that, that was easy and simple and quick enough that I would use it. As somebody who has, I used to do a lot of juicing. I've used the centrifugal juicer. It's fast, but the quality of juice isn't quite as high as you would want it to be. Um, I've also had a masticating juicer, which is much, much slower, but the quality of juice is much higher. Now I bought the masticating juicer because it had a better quality of juice, but it was so freaking slow that I never wanted to use it. And that was the thing. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get more benefit of using the fast one with a slightly less better quality juice because I'm going to use that all the time rather than the slow one that actually I'm going to use once a month because I'm bored and I find it irritating and it's a really it was a real pig to clean as well so um that's the thing is that that's why with when it comes to creating consistency you want to find a practice and build a habit that is simple quick easy and that you will actually use and that has been my experience with the practice this was the thing that made the difference for me with this piece of work was it wasn't just this kind of concept I had to try and keep remembering and keep present the practice kept it present with me almost all day every day it was something I was aware of because I was checking in with my needs each day and the interesting thing for me was um, it's actually like an example, like something that happened to me just this morning was I was out, uh, I was out late last night. I went out salsa dancing. I had a great night, um, made an agreement with the friend I was going with that we weren't going to stay out late. How did that work out for you? Yeah, not so great. One night in Key West. Didn't, didn't work so well. <laughs> I, I mean, and it's this friend we were, we were saying that we were saying on our way home or on the way to, from one place we went to another. Um, no, it was on the way home. We're like, this is the reason that 
we don't go out unless we're prepared to stay out late because we know what we're like and we had such a great time that we just kind of and and actually it met my needs to do that i have had a an injury to my uh, my foot i haven't been able to dance for two weeks which for me is a lifetime um especially having not been able to dance for 18 months with all the covid stuff now i'm back dancing again not being able to dance for any period of time feels like like a real hardship not a real hardship in the grand scheme of things but it feels like it's it impacts me and so um because i hadn't danced in a couple of weeks i really really needed to go out and just enjoy myself last night so it met my need to do that even though i knew i was going to be up late and even though i knew we were going to be recording today so when i first woke up this morning uh, i allowed myself to sleep in i didn't get up and watch go and see the sunrise because I wanted to meet my needs for rest to make sure that I had the charge and the energy I needed for uh, for today. The charge to make sure I had the energy for today. The charge well, yeah. normally is it that we normally that's we define we describe that as a negative thing. So we had the, the energy to be able to do what we needed to do today. And it was interesting because when I first woke up, I was I felt like because I'd allow myself to sleep a bit later, I was a little bit shorter on time than I would normally be. And in my head, I'm thinking one of the things I normally do each morning is I practice yoga. And in my head, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to practice yoga today because um, I don't have as much time as I would normally have. And the interesting thing was, so I'm going to do my practice because that's part of my morning. That's a non-negotiable um, um, unless there is something massive going on. So I sit down and I go to my needs practice. And in the process of doing my needs practice, I discover that the thing I need today is yoga. And I was like, huh. Okay, so I wasn't going to do yoga today. So why don't I do it? I'm going to need to find a short yoga. And there was one that was less than 10 minutes long. Um, and it was an energy boost yoga. So given I was out late last night, not only did I do yoga, which is a, it, it, it makes such a, um, I do, did engage with my yoga practice, which actually fulfills me in multiple different ways. But actually I found a way of boosting my energy, given my energy was a little lower than usual, by finding the right practice. And it was interesting because if I hadn't done my practice, I wouldn't have practiced yoga this morning and I wouldn't have got what I needed because I wouldn't have realized that I needed it. Even somebody who lives and breathes the needs work, Serena has told you, and, you, and if she hasn't already said it enough, she will definitely say it in many, many times in the future. I'm like, needs, 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 needs. I talk about needs all the time. It's something I'm engaged with all the time. And so, even for somebody like me who is so immersed and embodies this work, there are moments still where I don't necessarily recognize what I need until the practice prompts me and I'm like, oh, that's what I need most right now. That's the thing that's going to make the difference. That's the thing that's going to take 20% of my energy, but give me 80% of the fulfillment. And those are the things that we're looking for. The simple, quick, easy things that are going to give me actually what I need to be able to navigate my day as best as possible. So I'm curious, like, what have some of your experiences been with the practice and the impact it's had for you? Well, I'm going to tap right onto that 80-20 that you just mm -hmm. um, referred to. And it was actually this week I had an experience with my needs practice mm -hmm. where I was running late and I realized every single podcast I think thus far has <laughs> had an element of me running late. So we are going to definitely do a podcast. Stay tuned on why I'm running late. Right. Because it's important. <laughs> yes. And this is going to give a little insight to it because I needed to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is my priority? Right. Like, where is it like, yes, I, I need to be at this place. I need to be there doing what I need to do. Mm -hmm. 
And this voice came through my head, which I now realize is Claire's because <laughs> I was confused um, as to why the phrase do your frickin' needs practice came through. <laughs> and actually, I said frickin' today. I just said that. I was like, it is you, isn't it? <laughs> you might have heard me say that once or twice. I think that may be why it popped up. <laughs> yeah, frickin' is not my thing. I am totally a fuck girl. So the fact that my inner voice was speaking to me censored, it was an inner voice from a distance telling me, you know what the answer to this question is. You know what the priority is in this moment, what's most important for you right now. Yes, mm -hmm. and I did, because I knew if I took 10 minutes and did my needs practice, mm -hmm. I would show up where I needed to be a little bit late, but I'd be able to give them 80% at least because mm -hmm. I took that 20% to do what I needed to do. Right Now I could have been on time, and they would have maybe gotten that 20% of me. Right. Maybe. Because right. when I don't meet my needs, when I don't do my practice consistently, mm -hmm. not only am I walking in depleted, right. but then my body, my mind, everything about me is like, you didn't do your practice today. And it automatically yeah. starts. So if I can go in full and give you pour from my full cup. Right. That is better for everybody involved. Right. And I remember when you were telling me about this earlier today, how you said, like, I could have shown up. Ten, I, yes, I showed up 10 minutes late, but they got that 10 minutes back over and over and over mm -hmm. and over again throughout that day because you, because I was full, because I had the resource and the capacity to give more. Whereas if I'd shown up, up on time, I would have been like six hours behind in terms of what I would actually be able to deliver. And that was the, the thing is that recognition of like, actually these 10 minutes, not just benefits me, but it actually benefits the people I'm gonna go, I'm, the appointment that I'm, I'm going towards. And that's, this is where it becomes a, is this negatively impacting somebody else? Like going back to that self first thing that we talked about on, on um, uh, episode two, that, um, Actually, is this negatively impacting somebody else? No, it's not. Actually, is it benefiting? Actually, it benefits them to do this. So I can do it in this way, in a way that doesn't take out somebody else's needs. If that's the answer, then actually that's that's the route that's going to be best for everybody in this situation. And of course, I would have gone through my day and met my needs. But those those momentary moments momentary moments. momentary moments the momentary moments you heard it here first. Yes, <laughs> quote me on that one. Please don't. Um, if those 10 minutes that I took in the morning, I would have had to take 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here, mm -hmm. 10 minutes here to meet the individual needs because I would have been depleted. Right. I wouldn't have met them until I needed to meet them. Right. So then it just, it creates the right. automatic down on the roller coaster. And it's interesting because it reminds me actually of when I went and did, when I was working in corporate, I remember that there would be like, I would be so exhausted because now looking back on it, I know my needs weren't being met. I didn't know that at the time. Um, but I would just feel so drained all the time. I remember I used to go to the bathroom like in the middle of the day and I would like put the, the, the toilet seat and the lid down and I would just sit in the bathroom for just 10 minutes, like close my eyes and just relax for a second to give myself the energy to get through the rest of the day. I mean, it was ridiculous. It really was. Um, I would make sure I took a lunch break. I would make sure I, I had to leave on top because I just didn't have the capacity to do anything more than that. And then the times when I was well taken care of and I my again, looking back, I can see my needs were well met. 
I not only I was sometimes in early, I would stay late. I wouldn't necessarily take my lunch break because I had the capacity and the resource to be able to do that. And it reminds me very much of what you're talking about, of that when you're not resourced, you have to keep like you don't have the capacity to keep going in the way that you would because the, the tank's running empty. So um, I think that might be that might be it for today. Is there anything else you want to share about consistency or practice? Has somebody who struggled with one and found how much of a game changer the other was? Um, they're both legitimate things. <laughs> <laughs> both important. Both very, very important. <laughs> and there's some there are things that are so easy to just, oh, okay, you know, mm. I, I can be consistent-ish. Ish. Like, yeah. ish. Ish is ish. Like, it's, you need... <laughs> ish is ish. ish Again, is ish. you heard it here first. <laughs> you need to be consistent, and the practice the practice really provides that foundation to be mm. consistent, and it makes you want to do it. And the more right. I do my practice, the more consistent I am with it, the more I keep wanting to do it, right. and the more I'm doing it throughout the day, and then I'm starting my days fuller. Right. Like, it's not even I'm just waking up completely depleted with an empty cup and being like, well, let me fill the whole thing up. I'm like... Oh, let me just top this off. And right. Some days it is just a top off, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. That's amazing, and yeah, and that's a that's a really important thing you've just shared there because I think that's the thing is the more consistent you are, the more the less you have to do in order to meet your needs because you're not starting from square one again. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for everything you've shared today. I am really, really excited about the next episode that we are going to be sharing with you because we are going to be talking about one of the things we get asked about more than anything else in the Universal Need, and that is the B word, boundaries. We are going to be helping to give you a bit more of an understanding about what boundaries are and how it ties in with needs. So um, be sure to come back and join us next week for that because I know that one is one that so many people are going to be listening to going, oh my God, I need help with this. Because I was one of those people at one point. I know that Serena was one of those people at one point. So, um, so, and it's been really helpful for us to really understand these things. So we're really excited to share them with you. But for now, I think that that's it. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll see you again next week. And in the meantime, stay safe, lots of love, and remember to keep meeting your own needs. That's it for today. If you liked what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast via Patreon. And remember, practice makes permanent, not perfect, which means that if you want a permanent state of having your needs fulfilled, you need to create a consistent practice of meeting them. Well, shit. It really is that simple.